return of the midweeks. Hello, dear friends. This is the midweeks again, and it's Wisdom Wednesday, so we're going to be revisiting Agur, the non-Israelite sage who provides an entire chapter of the book of Proverbs. And we are in the middle of it. We're going to be starting at verse 18 and going through verse 23. Now, what we are going to look at is we're going to have two of these three, four groupings where it's going to say three things this, four things that, um, and then in between that is going to be a one-line proverb. And we're going to ask the question, how do these things all connect together? Now, before we start our three, four grouping, just a, a reminder um, Hebrew poetry works by parallel, by idea parallels, not uh, rhyming. It has thought rhymes. And so it'll say one thing, and then it'll say the second thing in a different way. And you're meant to compare the two lines to gain insight and wisdom. It's training your mind to see connections and to see differences, and then to realize that so much of life and wisdom is seeing connections from things and seeing differences between things and meeting God in um finding the connections of wisdom in life. And so without too much further ado, here are our three, four sandwiches. Three things are too wonderful for me. Four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes king, a fool when he's filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. Okay, so this is our passage, and again, it's it's kind of arbitrary where I've decided to start and stop. All of this entire chapter of Agur is meant to be woven together like a wicker basket, and we're free to see connections throughout the entire thing. But here we are. We're going to start here. Now, the first grouping, the first three, four grouping, is him saying things that are too wonderful him for him and he doesn't understand. So it's not he doesn't understand it because he's... Hold on. Let's stop. Remember, this whole thing started by him saying, I'm, I'm too dumb to be a man. I, I don't have wisdom. So again, he's admitting his... Uh, smallness, the fact that he's small in God's wonderful world. And so this is a worshipful experience for him as he's looking at the world through a lens of, I don't have this totally figured out. And God is amazing. How does he accomplish these things? But it's, I don't understand, not because I haven't tried. It's, I don't understand because these things are amazing and they're beyond human control. So what are these four things? The first is the way of the eagle in the sky. So how does an eagle just hold out its wings and fly around? How does it um, so maneuver the the invisible that it has skill to manage the sky? This is what he's looking at. He's like, I can't fly. I can't. How does he even do that? And how does God make a creature that can manage the invisible ways of the wind? Then he goes to say there's a serpent on a rock. So I think the way I understand this is, how does a snake move on something that's completely smooth? How does it, it has no feet, it doesn't have any hands, how does it actually manage to move across this smooth rock? And then it also doesn't leave a trail. The same way that an eagle in the sky doesn't leave a trail, so a serpent on a rock doesn't leave a trail. 
the next thing he moves to is the ship on the high seas. And so we've moved from the animal kingdom. Now we're into the activities of man. And similar to the eagle, a ship on the high seas has to manage wind. And similar to the serpent on a rock, it doesn't leave a trail. How does it move? How does it manage to do this? But now we have human wisdom and ingenuity um, navigating the chaos of life. And so the sky and the wind is a place that people don't naturally live as well as the high seas are a place that people don't naturally live you actually need lots of ingenuity and wisdom in order to just survive travel across the seas and then finally here's the like real zinger the one at the end that makes everything seem weird the way of a man with a virgin so the way love starts the way attraction starts the way pursuit into marriage starts this is too wonderful for me so you gathering this all together Agar's probably starting with this romantic relationship, these desires for romance, and saying, how does it even happen that one person likes another person enough to pursue and to work this thing out? And it's hard to predict who's going to be attracted. It's hard to predict how it's going to work out. And it's hard to even tell, like, how does this finally get consummated? And it reminds him of many other things that God has made that are just wonderful, like an eagle that it can fly or a legless, footless, handless serpent that it can move across a rock or that people have even figured out how to travel across the seas. And none of these modes of travel leave footprints that are easy to investigate afterwards. And same with the way of a man with a virgin, the same with attraction. Like it's hard to figure out exactly how this happened, but God just, or Agar is looking and saying, God, God's made this. He's made attraction. He's made, um, desire and he's made all these creatures and it's you can't just figure this all out you can't turn it into an exact science now we nowadays have to go a long way towards it but there's still tons of mystery in god's world for how he's made things and especially the human heart is super mysterious even to ourselves now not directly connected but thematically connected he moves from this i think positive thing of a man with his virgin or a man with a young woman and he moves to the negative. This is the way of an adulteress. So here's a uh, specifically woman's sexual desire out of control. And it says she eeps and wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. So what we've gone here is from kind of the creation order, wonder in the creation order to disorder in creation. There's this woman and she has sexual appetite and she refuses to see her her desires and her activity as out of step with God's wisdom and out of step with God's ways and is morally wrong and evil. And so similarly to how the eagle doesn't leave a trail and the serpent doesn't leave a trail and the boat doesn't leave a trail, so the adulteress wants to not leave a trail. She eats, so she satisfies her evil desires, and then she wipes her mouth and she removes the evidence. And then she says to herself, I've done no wrong. She's even trying to remove the evidence in her own spirit, in her own mind, in her own soul of what's happened. And so you have these this three, four, uh, poem that marvels at God's created order and the mystery in it. And then you have this one liner of the a sort of a corruption of it through disordered desire again, and how um, at least this one, you know, people in general want to cover their tracks when they're committing sin. Now we're going to take this and go to the next three, four. And this one is 
disordered. Again, these are a 3-4, where if the first one is about God's mystery in order, this one is about um, disorder and the social consequences of it. So three things that underneath the earth trembles. It doesn't mean creating earthquakes. It means that the fabric of society is shaken. Four, under four, it cannot bear up. So when the life becomes like this, you know things are disintegrating. A slave when he becomes king. So you have the slave who's like at the lowest part of the social order, now going to the height of the social order. You know that the world's gone up topsy-turvy when this happens. A fool when he's filled with food. The correct social order is that somebody who persists in foolishness has their consequences come back on them and they should feel the hunger of their own foolish choices. So this reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son. He has all this wealth, but he lives foolishly in unbelief and he spends it on everything and he doesn't come to his senses until he runs out of food and then he realizes, ah, people eat at my father's house, I should go back home and he begins this walk of repentance. Then an unloved woman when she gets a husband. So Bruce Walke in his commentary says this is probably better translated an unlovely woman or with the intention being like a foolish woman when she gets a husband. So a, a woman who is morally unlovely when she gets a husband um, means that something's gone wrong here because a husband should be hungry for a beautiful souled woman, a uh, uh, Proverbs 31 woman and she he should be hungry for her so when a woman who is kind of unworthy of marriage uh, gets a husband something's gone wrong and this is going to produce bad fruit in society and this reminds you of what's gone before right the the first three four where it ends with the way of a man with a virgin how this is meant to be mysterious and attract and attractive and part of God's good order but then there's this whole adulterous thing where desires can go upside down and people can kind of try to hide that foolishness and unbelief are in action. So we have it here as well, where something's happened between this husband and this woman, and this isn't a good thing because um, her character is bad. And then to uh, promote her to the place of being a mistress of a home, to be a woman over a home and have children and uh, servants under her, this is not going to bless society around her. This isn't going to bless her home because she's not really worthy of it. Like the fool whose belly is full of food, he isn't actually worthy of the, the, the responsibility of being full. He's going to get the wrong message that he's a great person and that he's um, a wonderful guy. He must be because, look, he's got all these blessings. Something's gone wrong, and the natural order of things has gone topsy-turvy, and people don't know what's going on, which brings us to the heightened point. So usually the fourth one is the biggest one, a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. And so here, you know, a maidservant connects with slave at the beginning and also the unloved woman who gets a husband also connects with the adulteress who wipes her mouth. So this is the height of things. To have somebody in the home, a maidservant, who manages to seduce and commit adultery and to displace her mistress and to become an unlovely woman who gets a husband, this is the, the turning over of social order. And you might remember, what did John the Baptist get himself in trouble for? Well, it was a woman who um, was her, who ended up marrying her brother-in-law when Herod married his sister-in-law, probably because of her devices. She was going up the social order by becoming married to a king. Um, it actually 
created disorder in Jerusalem, and when it was called out, she responded with violence and got John the Baptist killed, and it was a mess. And so this is what Agar is talking about here, where, where this proper ordering of God's world, including social ordering, that wise should be rewarded and fools should be chastened with the consequences of their choices. Agar says that when there's a breakdown between foolish choices and their proper consequences, then the earth trembles and it actually can't bear up over time, which just feels like I'm describing our culture right now, where so many foolish choices are rewarded or um, the consequences of them are defeated by money and government programs and all these other things. So Agar says this can't endure. And I think probably in my lifetime, we will see it not endure. Something's going to break here. Anyhow, long story short, Agor is calling us to a life of wisdom, of wanting to see God's way of the world is made honored and loved and worshipped and humbly revered, and to not have the world turned upside down by disordered desires and the embrace of sin and the covering over of sin um, with hiding the consequences. So I hope you're blessed. I hope you're having a great week and be encouraged in wisdom by the word of God. 